Hey, Justin here. Before we jump into the last episode of season three, I want to give you a quick update on season four. If you haven't yet heard, the next season of Holy Ghost Stories is going to be really special. You'll experience the story of Moses and the Exodus across all 10 episodes. It's arguably Yahweh's favorite Old Testament story, judging from the amount of times it's referenced in scripture, and I can't wait to give it the Holy Ghost Stories treatment. But that's not all. The incredibly talented Kendall Ramsour is creating an original score for every episode of the season. I've heard the first episode. It is amazing. We're working on it right now. The whole thing is a huge undertaking, but we're thrilled to collaborate on a project that has so much potential to bring you and people around the world into an extended encounter with the sea-splitting Sinai God named Yahweh. Now, there's only one way for something like this to happen. We have to do it together. You support it, and we will spend hundreds of hours making it. That's the only way. And I'm so excited to tell you what you've done so far. So we've got an audacious fundraising goal of $210,000. $210,000. That will cover all aspects of creation, pre-production, production, production, post-production, script, score, narration, editing, mastering, hosting, all of it. And so far, through Patreon and one-time donations, you have given $127,000. One hundred and twenty-one dollars. Absolutely amazing. I am thrilled by that, and I knew you would be excited as well. Bravo and hallelujah. So here's the last thing I'll say before we jump into the episode. This is what it takes. People like us have to say, you know what? This is worth supporting. The world needs more good Christian storytelling. I need more good Christian storytelling, and so I'm in. And because you're listening to Holy Ghost Stories, especially if you've listened to multiple episodes, I know you're a person who values art that's beautiful and true, art that points to the divine. I'm a person like that too. And people like us do things like this. We give when others don't. We create when others just consume. I like us. You can make a tax-deductible donation right now at holyghoststories.org slash give. holyghoststories.org slash give. Let's make season four together. He's always orchestrating, writing parts for different instruments, calling in the cellos or the timpani or the contrabassoon at just the right moment, ensuring just the right dynamics, the crescendos and the decrescendos, the music rising and falling in time with his perfect will. It's how Yahweh writes stories amidst humanity. This is a story about the final act, the point in a season of our life where Yahweh brings it all together, the hints he's made, the seeds he's sown, the resolution for which we long. It's a story about determination and obstacles and triumph, and perhaps more than anything, It's a story about the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Hope. I'm Justin Gerhardt. Welcome to Holy Ghost Stories.
Ruth bursts through the door, the events of the night before written across her face in enormous script, a smile brimming with delight. How did it go, my daughter? Naomi rushes over to her. Has she been waiting up this whole time? She waits with wide, impatient eyes for Ruth to tell her what Boaz said when she offered herself to him in marriage. He... he said yes. As soon as the words are out of her mouth, Ruth weeps, surely, every joyful tear a drop of rain on parched ground. Naomi, too, loses it. How could she not? Ruth's future, her own future, it's... it's all going to look different now bright. But obstacles still loom. Tell me, tell me everything he said. Ruth does, tells Naomi about the threshing floor and how he reacted when he saw her there and the way he listened to her proposal and the way his eyes lit up when she said the words and the way he responded with such loving kindness. Naomi listens with a broad grin, a tear falling every so often. It seems, perhaps, that Yahweh's hand has not turned against her after all. Perhaps he brought her back empty with the intent of, and look, Ruth lifts her shawl, swollen with seed. She turns it over, pours the barley into Naomi's open palms. Naomi looks at Ruth, incredulous. He said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi looks down at her hands, filled to overflowing. He said he'd go to the town gate this morning. Naomi smiles, almost giddy. Just you wait, my daughter. Boaz will not rest until the matter is settled today. Early sun shines on the town gate, tanning the pale limestone, imbuing it with warmth and color. Sunbirds, woodpeckers, blackcaps, jays, and bramblings announce the new day, scoring the dawn with their song. Cats laze in shaded porticos, retiring from their nocturnal shifts, while leaf-nosed snakes and horned vipers emerge to sun themselves. The leading men of Bethlehem, too, become visible, taking their places at the gate, sipping tea and sharing gossip as the vendors set up shop in kiosks along the wall. Lentils, peas, and freshly harvested barley all witness to the elders' discussion of the day's business. Thirty yards away, a watchful Boaz makes his move. He strides toward the gate, a confident posture obscuring internal concerns. Will he lose her? He's only the second closest relative, so not first in line to redeem the family. And the man who is, he'll likely jump at the chance to buy Naomi's land. That's the deal. The kinsman redeemer buys the widow's land and then lets her work it. Like purchasing a business at a low price with the condition of keeping the former owner on as CEO. A good deal for the purchaser if the business is good. And since Naomi's late husband, Elimelech, was a man of standing, It is a great piece of property. Fallow, of course, but prime real estate. The man who's first in line, however, is... Well, he seems like the type who'd balk at the prospect of all that comes with the land. Not just Naomi, but Ruth, who's a foreigner. But he's also the competitive type. If someone else wants it, he suddenly wants it more. 
So if Boaz simply came out and asked to marry Ruth, no, this must be done artfully. The men at the gate nod as they see Boaz approaching, clap him on the shoulder perhaps, ask about the harvest. And just as Boaz sits down beside them, the kinsman walks by, perfectly timed. Come over here, my friend, and sit down. The man sits. Boaz rises and walks to a circle of town elders, interrupts their conversation, and invites them over to sit down. He then calls across the gathering crowd of vendors and the traffic of workers heading out to the fields to another group of chatting elders and waves them over. They make their way to the benches reserved for business like this and sit down, ten in all, a quorum, plus the first man, the would-be redeemer. Proceedings like this, public as they are, usually draw a crowd, and this hearing is no different. Curious merchants drift over from their stalls, unhurried passers-by slow and stop, standing within earshot to see what's afoot. They don't know it, not even those involved do, but they're watching Yahweh turn the world around. Boaz addresses the Redeemer. Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative, Elimelech. He gestures deferentially, turning his hands upward as he nods. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here. The kinsman raises an eyebrow in interest. If you will redeem it, do so. Then, almost as an afterthought, but if you will not, tell me, so I will know. And then another bit of subtle wheedling, for no one has the right to do it except you. A shrug, and I am next in line. Shrewd, does Yahweh smile? The man considers, rubs the end of his staff perhaps, thinking, this would work out well for him. Naomi's too old to produce heirs. His children would get all of this newly acquired land. I will redeem it. Boaz nods calmly. Good. But if the kinsman turns to the elders to formalize the agreement, Boaz interrupts. Oh, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his inheritance. In legally linking the two women in this setting, Boaz has done something masterful and unselfish. He's ensured that no matter what happens, Ruth will get her wish to remain with Naomi. Hopefully, though, he's also thrown a wrench into, wait, not just Naomi? Is the Moabite girl's devotion to her mother-in-law that strong? Why would she not just seek another husband or go home? She would bear children in this arrangement. Heirs. Mm. No, the kinsman shakes his head. No, then I cannot redeem the land. I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Does Boaz feign disappointment? 
No sooner does the kinsman decline than Boaz begins unlacing his sandal. There is a custom in Judah. For the transfer of property to become legal, one hands his shoe to the other party. A strange custom, perhaps, but such is often the case with traditions. Boaz pulls the sandal off, exposing his feet to the chilly morning air, passes it to the kinsman, smiles. Boaz turns to the elders and the gathered crowd. Today, you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with the property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. He gestures to his naked foot, planted firmly on Bethlehem's soil. Today, you are witnesses. The elders nod. We are witnesses, they chorus with the people. A senior member of the council speaks up. May Yahweh make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. Another nods and adds, May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And still another offers a more obscure blessing. Through the offspring Yahweh gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Perez, the unlikely firstborn of twins who, but for the shrewdness of their mother and the mysterious will of Yahweh, never would have existed. Perez, the famous great-great-great-great-grandfather of Boaz, one of several unlikely members of this lineage. Hear, hear! The elders and the crowd affirm these blessings, and a smiling Boaz turns to leave. He has news to share. The wedding is lovely. Ruth beams as Boaz promises he'll never leave her or forsake her. Boaz beams as Ruth does the same. Naomi, too, smiles a tearful smile. It's a beautiful thing when a plan comes together. As they pledge themselves to one another, does Ruth think about her words to Naomi back in Moab? Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Well, that's certainly happened. As they bow together in petition, does Ruth remember what she wondered weeks ago in the field? Does Yahweh even hear the prayers of, Yahweh be with you, comes the voice of the officiant, perhaps. Yahweh Yahweh bless bless you, the attendees echo. And your God will be my God. Ruth raises her head and looks into the eyes of her husband, Boaz. Here he is, in all his beautiful courage, choosing her, and in so doing, showing incredible faithfulness to Naomi. Boaz looks into the eyes of his wife, happy to volunteer. At the reception, they feast. Spring lamb, peas, and lentils witness to the joy of the occasion. Bread, soft and steaming, 
beer too, effervescent and golden, made perhaps, like the bread, from the very grain Ruth helped harvest from Boaz's field that first week in Bethlehem. A glorious alchemy. As the feast draws to a close, the two walk to Boaz's house slowly, happily. She bends down in the moonlight, perhaps, and grabs a discarded stalk of barley, puts it in his mouth. He smiles. Sounds of mirth echoing behind them, stars scattered like salt, pulse, and shine. Finally, they arrive. Their eyes are heavy, laden with sleep and food and drink. They lie down contentedly on their marriage bed and make love. Unless Boaz is a widower, this is his first time. The younger Ruth, a smiling guide. Welcome to this. You'll like it. As they come together, Yahweh, Lord of seed time and harvest, smiles and enables Ruth to conceive. New life, knit together in the woman's womb. Nubian night jars sing in the moonlight. Their staccato churring sounds like bursts of applause. In nine months' time, a baby is born. His mother and father rejoice, of course, at the miracle of presence out of nothingness. But for Naomi, mother of two sons stolen by death, this child's birth is different. Presence out of absence. The last time she held a little boy, it was her own. That was a long time ago, but suddenly... It doesn't feel that way. Praise be to Yahweh, the women of Bethlehem say to Naomi in congratulations. Praise be to Yahweh who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. They mean Boaz, of course, but also this baby. They smile at him, cooing and offering their blessings on him and his de facto grandmother. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. And though Ruth did give birth to him, it will be Naomi who takes the child in her arms and cares for him. The women will see this and rejoice with their old friend, saying to one another with glad eyes, Naomi has a son. And it will in a layered way, be true. Together, this blended family will name their boy Obed. In time, he'll have a son named Jesse. Jesse will have several sons, and he'll name the last one David. David will grow up hearing stories, no doubt, about his grandfather and the trio of parents who raised him. The way his great-grandmother, a Moabitess, chose Yahweh and the way Yahweh chose her. Years from now, Naomi will die, well cared for into her old age. 
she will be buried in her hometown, laid to rest far from her husband, Elimelech, alone. But not for long. When Ruth takes her final breath, she will be buried alongside Naomi. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Yahweh deal with me if even death separates you and me. And one day, Naomi will know Ruth kept her promise. One day the sky will burst open, a trumpet will echo through the hills, and a voice will call Naomi from her grave. When she rises, she will see Ruth rising beside her. But this joy will be eclipsed by the presence of another, the one who's called them forth, the one born of the seed of Ruth and Boaz, back, finally, to Bethlehem, where the adventure began. No more famine. No more empty hands. Time to celebrate the harvest. Thanks so much for listening to part three of The Alchemist, The Strangers, and The Volunteer, the season three finale of Holy Ghost Stories. I loved spending all this time inside the story of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and Yahweh, and I hope you did too. What a God we serve. A couple of things before I let you go. First, a fun new reality. Holy Ghost Stories is officially a production of Hazefire Studios. This is a nonprofit I've begun alongside my editor and wife and partner in all things, J.L. Gerhardt. We're very excited about what's ahead as we seek with Hazefire to expand the intersection of story and worship. You'll have to wait a bit more to find out what that means and the shapes it might take, but I think you're going to dig it. Uh, Patrons, I'm so grateful for your support between seasons. It helps me to plan the next season and stay sane while I do it. And also, over the next three months, you'll be helping me to create an extraordinary live show in October and even more expressions of Holy Ghost stories that I can't tell you about quite yet. So, thank you. Know that I'll be hard at work between now and January when season four premieres. I hope the back catalog keeps you company between now and then. And and hey, if it doesn't, hit up Patreon for some bonus episodes and super fun remixed scenes. If you're not signed up for the latest, the bi-weekly email I send out, you should jump in on that today. Some fascinating behind-the-scenes stuff on each episode of Fully Ghost Stories, and that's where I'll be sharing the new projects we're working on at Hazefire Studios. I think you're going to love them. You can sign up at the link in the show notes or at holyghoststories.org. Oh, and while you're there, don't forget to chip in on Season 4. Everything helps. Everything counts. Everything gets us closer to experiencing that epic story in a brand new way holyghoststories.org. 
Finally, a shout out to the heroes of Holy Ghost Stories, the ones who make it free for people around the world to listen, the raconteurs, the first chair players in our orchestra of patrons. Sam, Dawn, Catherine, Jean-Paul, Tiffany, Jack, Rebecca, Sarah Beth, Ginger, Luke, Derek, Debbie, Aaron, Stephanie, Vicenta, Cheyenne, Boo, Helen, Elizabeth, Susan, Rick, Maddie, April, Eric, Jody, John, Ricky, Brandy, Kimmy, Steve, Patrick, Liz, Stevens, Terry, Jack, Nelwyn, Julie, Jamie, Stephen, Trina, Jessica, Ken, Alyssa, Sloan, Kara, and Jamie. Man, I love you guys. Till next season. Till next season.